Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Ah, yes, living the dream once again on a fabulous Saturday. Hartman and Schwartz with you. We are coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on your car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. We'll get used to it, folks. This team, this twosome is going to be with you for the next several months as we get through the entire football season all the way through Super Bowl and beyond, I predict, by the way. Jeff, how are you today? I am fantastic. I'm glad to be along for the journey. And yes, man, I love nothing more than talking football, talking all sports. I'm glad to be with you. It's going to be a lot of fun every two hours on Saturday. All right, so we got a lot to do in a very short amount of time. We're obviously going to keep you updated on a huge day in college football. We're in December. Now, normally, Jeff, I mean, we're, we're coming down to like the last weekend. We would normally have like conference championship yes. games this weekend. Yes. And then we would have, you know, the countdown to the Heisman, which is like the second week of December. You always have that one last Army-Navy game. The game stands alone. Oh, on yeah. that last Saturday, and then the Heisman ceremony. I mean, we got this week, we have next week, we have the following week. We still have three full weeks of college football coming up, and uh, some of the games going on right now, one game that for a moment looked like it could be a game changer has turned in the direction that was as expected. That would be the Texas A&M-Auburn game. Jeff, Auburn actually had the lead 20-14 to going in the fourth quarter, but the Aggies have uh, 17 unanswered yep. uh, in the fourth quarter. They, of course, the number 5 team in the playoff rankings. Are you all in on A&M? Are, are they worthy of their current ranking? 
I think they, they're the next team up, right? I mean, I think they, they between them and they beat Florida, right? So they're ahead mm-hmm. of Florida right now. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I think they're, they're the next best team. Look, we can argue and we'll talk plenty about BYU and Cincinnati. But you know, there is something to be said, and, and maybe I'm a conference snob, of, of playing in a Power 5 conference and going uh, to win eight or nine games in that conference. Yes, they've lost one. I get that. But the idea of, of having to play each and every week against very quality opponents and coming out and winning those games. And it's not easy to win those every week. And I think they are the fifth best team right now. Um, and, you know, if anyone loses in front of them, Ohio State, which they're drubbing Michigan State now, uh, Clemson and Notre Dame probably will not lose today. Alabama, uh, be shocked if they lost today. Uh, but if anyone does lose down the stretch, they're probably the first one in. Yeah, and Kalamon, by the way, is one of those quarterbacks you don't hear a lot about. He's good, really good. Throws the ball, runs the ball. He's 18 of 23, 196 yards, two touchdowns. Touchdowns, no picks. He's also run for 60 yards and a touchdown. So AM, uh, as that game wraps up, is going to move to, let me make sure I got their correct record these days, 7 and 1, 7 and yeah. 1 on the season, ranked number five. Um, another team, top five team in action is Ohio State. All right, so they were without 23 players, four <laughs> yes. starters. We didn't even know if this game was going to happen. It was critical, though, Jeff, because if Ohio State did not play Michigan State, that would eliminate them from any opportunity to play in the Big Ten championship game, at least as the rules were right now. In other words, that would have been their third yeah. cancellation, and that would have been it. So they knew they had to scramble to put together some kind of team. And look at this score. 38 to 10, the Buckeyes blowing out the Spartans in Lansing. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, this game was a little close early on. Michigan State had a third and 18. They ran the football. They got tackled one yard short of, of the first down, and they decided to punt the football. And Ohio State scored three plays later. After that, it was over. It's 14 0 Ohio State. And this, and this goes to show you that college football is a it's a game now of recruiting. Yes, coaching matters, right? But the X's and O's of the game, in my opinion, aren't as important as getting athletes to your team, right? If you can recruit each each and every year in the top 10, you give yourself a chance to win. Ohio State's a great example today, right? All these guys are out. Guess what? We'll just put our next batch of four and five-star kids back in time. Alabama has seven kids committed for 2021 that are five stars. Mm-hmm. They just these tools just continue to reload. So when guys are out, it's not a problem for them. They don't miss a beat. And Ohio State is and Michigan State is just okay too. They were playing, um, I guess in the Big Ten this year. No one else really stands out. They already beat Indiana. If they're playing Indiana with 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 Penex healthy, and you know they're missing all those guys. Maybe it's different. But it's just this is what big time college football is. The, the, the top teams in the country have unlimited talent. Yeah, it's it's amazing how they can reload. And like you say, sometimes because guys are out, especially with this COVID situation, guys are maybe are thrown into the fire quicker than expected, and then you just see how good they are. Okay, so Ohio State, no problem today as they're blowing up on Michigan State. Now, coming up here at the bottom of the hour, we've got a number of games kicking off. Number six, Florida on the road against Tennessee. I want to get into that game and Kyle Trask in particular. West Virginia is on the road against number nine, Iowa State. This is my pick of the day, by the way. 
I'm taking West Virginia plus the points. Ooh, okay. Iowa State's about a six-point favorite at home. I think I think the Mountaineers are better than people think. I think they're going to keep this one close. Uh, so number nine, uh, Iowa State will be hosting West Virginia. Uh, battle of top 20 teams in the Big Ten. Indiana, of course, the devastating oh, lose loss of uh, Michael Penix, who's been so good for them this year, but he's out for the season. Yeah. They're on the road against Wisconsin. Um, and then, oh, wait a second here. we got to mention this with Iowa Sam. His Hawkeyes on the road, having won four in a row. Ooh. Uh, taking on Illinois, uh, so that should not be any problem there. Um, But the game that we really want to get into is the game that was not on the schedule until a few days ago, and that is number 13 BYU on the road against number 18 Coastal Carolina. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this is one of the very few times in FBS history. I mean, there's like a handful of games like this where you get two 9-0 teams playing each other in a non-bowl game in the month of December. I think it's the fifth time it's ever happened. But this was not a game on the schedule. I know both of these teams are trying to impress right now, Jeff, that, hey, we may not play the most uh, representative schedule, but undefeated is undefeated. By the way, BYU is an 11-point favorite on the road against Coastal Carolina. So I guess the question, let's take the BYU angle on this. Does a win over Coastal Carolina, a convincing win if they can pull it off, have any sway at all as far as their standing in the playoff rankings? I think it would do some good for um, you know the committee to, to see them win this game. But in the end, I don't know how this is going to change their ability to make a cultural playoff. Will it help them get a New Year's Six Bowl? Possibly, right? If they're in the top 12, they look more favorable upon. Um, but again, it's Coastal Carolina. I, I get they're undefeated. I get they're ranked. But in a regular season, is Coastal Carolina undefeated ranked at this mm-hmm. point? Probably not, right? And plus, BYU has already played a different schedule anyway. So it, it would be just a much different situation. Um, and so this game matters more to BYU, in my opinion. They're, they're the higher-ranked team. They've been asking to play a game like this for a while now. They have their opportunity. They decided to go on the road, which is fine. But I don't think it matters very much to them making the playoffs, especially with Cincinnati ahead of them. And it seems like the committee values Cincinnati's schedule. And they still have, I believe, Tulsa twice um, mm-hmm. because they play in the, in, the, in, the a, in the AAC championship game. Um, so there's, there's more room for Cincinnati to continue to build the resume where BYU will just have this one game. Plus, again, I don't think people look at Coastal as – an elite team uh, just because they're ranked again. It's kind of the weird season. They're ranked. Um, their advanced numbers aren't terribly great. Put them right outside the top 25. So I, I just think it's a situation where it's a weird year. And this is a, I, I love the BYU did this. I'm going to be excited to watch a game. I mean, first game, I think ever we've seen, like you mentioned, nine Oh teams on ESPN, U at five 30, like the weirdest <laughs> time possible, right? It's like not even a normal right. time. Um, but there's a reason for that. It's because um, this was the, this was last minute. So I commend both sides for taking this for taking this. But I don't I don't think it helps BYU at all. Yeah, it, it's uh, it will be interesting to see uh, whoever emerges as winning this game, what kind of respect they're going to get in the next college football playoff. As far as Coastal Carolina, the Chanteliers, um, their only win against a ranked team this year was at Louisiana. They won a three point yeah. game that sort of put them on the map. Um, but I, I'm with you on this one, Jeff. I, I mean. It, it it really appears, and we've known this from the get-go. In fact, we've known this since they instituted the playoff back in 2014. Then any team out of the group of five, I don't care if you've won every game 50 to nothing. 
Um, and, and the and the you know the majority yeah. of your schedule obviously against group of five opponents. You, you're just not going to get there because the made for television playoff is exactly that. Um, and and probably even more important this year. In fact, on the yeah. other side, I want to get into the whole dynamic of this college football playoff and what is the master game plan on how they will decide which teams actually end up in the playoff. We're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. We're going to lay it all out for you coming up next. Do you love Selena? Like, really love Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. Sanders to throw. Steps up. Throws it deep down the far side for Tylen Wallace. He makes the grab and takes it into the end zone. Pistols firing. Touchdown Oklahoma State. 55 yards and a home run from Spencer Sanders to Tylen Wallace. That's Dave Hunsaker. Learfield IMG College, Oklahoma State clinging right now. Number 15 team on the road against TCU. 22-21 Cowboys. Trying to hang on TCU with the ball right now, looking for the upset. So 22-21, number 15, Oklahoma State leading at TCU. So as we mentioned, normally uh, we are already set at this time in a normal college football season as far as which, what, who's going to the bowl games, who is, you know, this would be the big weekend of the conference championship games to decide, you know, who's going to end up in the playoff. But we're still a couple of weeks away from that. But it's interesting, this dynamic, and going back to the decision, Jeff, of the Big Ten and the Pac-12 to first, you know, saying they were going to play in the spring, and then after the, and I predicted this at the time, the SEC was not going to budge, neither was the ACC, Big 12 fell in line with them, so they got their season started, and all of a sudden the Big Ten and Pac-12 realized, man, we made a mistake, we got to get a season in as best we can. Now, Jeff, of course, played his college ball at Oregon, I went to UCLA, so we're Pac-12 guys, and I'm looking down the road here. USC and Washington are both sitting at 3 and 0 right now. Both have had games canceled, so they only have one scheduled game remaining and then they would have a potential showdown in a Pac-12 championship game where the winner would emerge with a record of 6 and 0. Undefeated, undefeated Power 5 conference. So can you see any path for a USC or a University of Washington with an undefeated record? finding their way in the playoff? Uh, No, I I don't think that's the case at all. I mean, look, I I was realistic about it when the Pac-12 shut down and said, when we shut down originally, that was the end, in my opinion, of the opportunity for us to be in a college football playoff. I mean, we're fringe every year anyways. Now you've lessened our schedule to six games. Uh, You've taken away a lot of non-conference points. Like for USC, for example, and USC actually – if you can have a break during COVID, um, it was them. They lost Alabama, Notre Dame, and Oregon off their schedule this season. So let's put those back on the schedule. If they would have beaten one of those two teams, Alabama or Notre Dame, and then run the Pac-12 schedule, yeah, they might have a chance to be in the playoff. But as of right now, 
they played an ASU team that everyone thought will be good, but now is returning today after a month off. So yeah. they played one exact game. Uh, they beat Arizona, who's not any good by four points. They beat a Utah team that was the last team to play in, in, in college football this season. Um, they have no quality wins. And today they play a, tomorrow, actually, they play a Washington State team who uh, is now off of two weeks without COVID. You, you mentioned your favorite bet of the weekend. Yeah. My favorite bet is tomorrow, actually, weirdly enough, in college football. Uh, Washington State plus 12 and a half at USC. Absolutely love. I, I just I don't know if people have been watching USC play this season. So USC, in my opinion, even if they run the tables out, uh, Washington is a little bit better path because they have one less game than, than does USC, but they get Oregon next weekend. And if Oregon wins today, they'll still be ranked. They get Oregon next weekend in Eugene. They win that game. They beat a ranked USC team in the Pac-12 championship game. Maybe, maybe if AM loses one more time and Florida loses one more time, maybe there's a chance for us to get in. But I, I don't know. I don't really feel like a five or six win Washington team should be in the playoff. They're not good enough for that. Well, I would agree with you. And as you mentioned, when you think about I mean, keep in mind this, all right? So we've had six years of the playoff. That's 24 teams. 17 of the 24 teams have either been Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, or Ohio State. All right, so those four schools have taken up 17 of the 24 slots in the six years that we've had a playoff. So you know where we're going, right? And the other seven slots were all one-in-timers, like LSU, Georgia, and only two Pac-12 schools. Oregon the first year with Mariota, and then Washington a couple of years after that. Those are the only two in six years Pac-12 schools that actually found their way into the playoff. And it's only two that deserve to be there. Uh, and Oregon actually won. Oregon's been in the playoff one time and has one win, and Oklahoma's 0-4 in the playoff. Just yeah. to bring that up. Um, look, here's the deal about the playoff. I, I I think I'm in a slight minority here, and I'd, I'd love to know how you feel about this. I think four teams is fine. Um, I, I do not understand why people think that the cultural playoff is the only success for your program in a season. Your, your, your team is only defined – as successful if you win the college football championship, which is which is ludicrous because for about about 123 out of 130 teams, that's not even that's not even a thing you can aspire to be. You're not a playoff team, so why would your season be defined for Alabama, for Clemson, for Oklahoma, for Ohio State? Sure, your season is defined by making the playoff and winning the championship. But Oregon last season was 12-2. and They won a Rose Bowl. They beat a good Wisconsin team. That's great for a program. We had a great season last year. Going to the playoff did not define our season. Uh, and so that's kind of why I like four teams. Like I, I never felt that we needed to see, like, for, like this year, for example, if we have eight teams, right, the eighth seed will probably be like Cincinnati. Do I really need to watch Alabama beat up on Cincinnati? Like I said, do we really need to see that? I mean, Cincinnati might win that game Two out of a hundred times, and maybe the two is this season. I don't know, Steve, but like I don't feel like I need to watch that game. I'd rather watch Alabama play Ohio State in Week One of the playoff. All right, stay with me, Jeff. I got a lot to ground to cover based on where, what you just said. All right, let's let's go to the NCAA basketball tournament, and I've covered it dozens of times. Okay, I've been to the Final Four; it's a tremendous experience. If you've never been to a Final Four, it's I a lot not, of no. fun. But it also coincides with the uh, annual National Association of Basketball Coaches Convention. So when you go to a Final Four, first of all, I'm 5'11", so I always feel like I'm a, a midget every time I go there because, you know, I'm sitting around with all these really tall people, coaches, players, and everything else. So I get there, and you can feel the frustration for college basketball coaches because you know as well as I do, Jeff, 
it's all always about the tournament. I mean, right. it doesn't matter what you did during the regular season. How far did you go in the tournament? And that could break careers. It could also make careers if you're an obscure coach and all of a yeah. sudden somehow you get a, a no team to a, the Sweet 16 or beyond. Suddenly you're a hot commodity. And But there's a lot of frustration about that. On the other side, as far as college football is concerned, here's what I would love to eliminate. I mean, if we really want a playoff, in other words, you earn your way to your position of playoff, the idea of a committee is a joke. We understand that the committee doesn't really decide. The network decides which teams are there. That's why we always see Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, (laughs) and Ohio State, because they bring eyeballs to the TV when you put them on. And, you know, you mentioned Oklahoma's 0-4 in playoff games, but twice they brought Heisman winners into the game, yeah. uh, and another time a Heisman runner-up. So they have eyeballs on them. What I think would be a fair is not eight, but six. And you would eliminate the committee completely because each of the Power Five conferences has a conference championship game. Yeah. And if you win the conference championship game, even if you weren't the best team in your conference, that's the way playoffs work. Yeah. At the end of the year, is the Super Bowl champion always the best team? I don't know. The Giants beat the Patriots twice. Were they better than the Patriots? Well, they were that day, yeah. and they won Super Bowl. So, you know, that way you earn your way in, and then I would leave that sixth slot open to the highest-ranked group of five teams So at least those five conferences have some path to the playoff. Could they get blown out? Sure. But you even said, look, I was there in at the Fiesta Bowl when Boise State beat Oklahoma. Okay, yeah. I was at that game because there was a guy in the Fiesta Bowl who was on the team, who was friends of us, and we went. We, I drove the whole family. My kids were young. We all drove out there, and we saw one of the greatest games in the history of college football. So upsets can happen. But that way, you eliminate the committee – and it means that if you got to the playoff, you earned your way there by actually winning your conference championship yeah. game. Well, I, I I would be in favor of six rather than eight for the points you made. But yeah. look, as an Oregon alum, I, I'll say this again. Like last year, I felt in the best interest of our program – I made this argument in December, by the way, before Oregon I think, even played Utah in the Pato Championship game. I said, look, guys, the best thing for our program – is to play in the Rose Bowl, not play LSU, but play Wisconsin, win the Rose Bowl, and recruit off that, right? Have a great end to the season. You know, going to the playoff as a fifth seed last season and playing, I don't even know who, to Ohio State, let's say, or Alabama, or Clemson, or whoever it was, Oregon's not, not ready for that. I, I understand that it's the fairest way to do it is to put the, is to put the five conference winners in a power five, but again, I don't know if that's always like if a group of five team has two losses, like are we going to put them in the playoffs? All right, but Jeff, here's the thing. Okay, <laughs> now you you how many bowl games did you play in? Three, three bowl games. So your bowl game experience, whether it was a big air game or a lesser game, pretty much the same, right? You get a little glad yeah. bag, you get you get yeah, your little same, goodies yeah, thing, yeah. and everything else, right? And this is why college football coaches have never been big proponents of playoffs because. I mean, this year, I mean, as of right now, the number seems to be reducing every day. But in a normal year, you have like 40 bowl games that don't are part of it. And that means that 40 schools end their season on a winning note. I mean, in college basketball, how many teams end on a winning note? 
Not many, because they either lose in their conference one. tournament or they lose in the NCAA tournament. Well, most, yeah, most teams finish with a nail. Well, some teams may have won and don't qualify for the conference tournament, whatever. But, yeah. I mean, the overwhelming majority, 95, 98, yes. whatever it yeah, is, yeah. end the season with an L. That's never been the way in college football. I mean, you get, you get 40 bowl games where you're hoisting a trophy. May not matter to anybody, but it's a it's a trophy you can put in the showcase. And as we know in college football, why bowl games are so important to these coaches is that they get sort of a head jump on the next season. You get that extra practice time that, you know, the season's over. That's why it's so that extra month that you can work with your team, really getting ready for the next year, unless, again, you're in a really important bowl game, is invaluable to these coaches. So I get all that. I mean, no one wants to end the season with a loss. And no sport is more prohibitive in ending the season with a win than college fo- Division One college football. Right. And I think it's because – the college basketball, the tournament's an interesting example that you brought up. Um, obviously, much different sports, so it's really hard to compare. But a couple of things stand out to me about that. You know, in in the first two rounds, we love upsets, right? Like sure. We love when when the big dogs go down. Yeah. But then the ratings show us though that when the final four comes, mm-hmm. we want the blue bloods to be playing. Like when you have Loyola of Chicago yeah, like, in a final four, right, like we want Duke, yes. Carolina, Kentucky, Thank North you. Carolina, right? Mm-hmm. So the idea that like college football fans are enamored with getting these upsets in these and these underdogs in these games to me it doesn't feel as appealing because the numbers have shown that that's not really actually what they want in the tournament they like a couple upsets early on and trust me i was i remember two years ago i think i was in vegas for the for march madness and you it was uh yeah taco fall ucf was playing duke right. and we were in like we're i'm in the like we're all like oh come on ucf let's go like but in the end we're you know in the end we wanted duke to win because that was the better matchup in in, in the sweet 16 so I just I don't think people really want mm. to see the Cincinnati play Alabama when it could be Ohio State by Alabama. But, I mean, then that gets back to the whole concept of the BCS. Now, the means in which they determined the top two teams may have been flawed with computers and everything else, and it didn't always match up the top two teams. We all remember the year that USC was number one in both polls, and they were on the outside looking in when it came to the BCS championship game. But... Again, if you have a playoff, you you might not get that USC Texas game that we had, right? I oh, mean, sure. I mean, it, it is conceivable that one of those two teams yeah. in a playoff format could have been upset. We've had over the years. If you go back to many Super Bowls, going into the playoffs, the teams that were supposed to be there, like this was our dream matchup, got yeah. derailed. And, and and it's actually so the NFL's actually been it's been not that way for a while. The last team who's made a playoff that has not had a bye was 2012. Right. So like it's like we're seeing so. But I remember the year yeah. that the Giants went on. Oh yeah. To beat Green Bay, that yeah. was a year that Green Bay coming off their 07. Super Bowl, they were 15 and 11. one. Yeah. And they hosted 11. the Giants, and the Giants beat them. Um, that yeah, was an incredible yeah. Green Bay team that year. Tom Coughlin with the yep. with the red face and the red nose in Green Bay. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, look, it, it's the NFL. I think sets up easier for upsets mm-hmm. for a variety of reasons um, than does college football. And I, I, I trust me, I, I, the NFL is so funny because, like, I actually, 
I, like the matchups are just better in the playoffs. I don't know. What, I don't know what it is. All right, well, hold on to that because I do want to get into some NFL yeah. on the other side. But right now, we got to find out what's trending right now. We're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios as we welcome in Mr. David Gascon. Steve, Steve, Steve. Have you? Have you? I mean, this is new time here, Jeff I, and I. You know, we got I, a little Steve. movement here. I know, and I'm I'm surprised at you. Mm, how's that? I, I thought you would ask Jeff a pointed question at the top of the show. Yeah. What happened to his Cal Bears? Wow. wow. Oh, my gosh. What, what happened there? What? Cal Je- Bears. Jeff, I, I don't know. You, you were you were high, high as a kite on Cal to open I mean, up this Pac-12 Cal, season. Yeah, well, they had their first two games canceled, and they missed their, then their entire offensive line was out one game. And yeah. Their entire D-line was quarantined for three weeks. Like, I, don't, it's, <laughs> kinda, I think it's kind of hard to play football when wow. you don't have any of your players available to play. Uh, yeah, I've, a few people's Man. predictions have been sidelined <laughs> from reality because, well, we're not living in a real world right now. Yet. No. Yet. Not yet. Hopefully so. Um, guys, the interesting news out of the National Football League's with the Baltimore Ravens, um, they had a, a, the NFL came to them today and said that there were they were informed that at least four unique strains of the coronavirus were found inside their facility during the outbreak. Um, Ravens president Dick Cass actually said in a statement, unfortunately, the fourth strain was a highly contagious strain and spread throughout our organization. The first three were stopped and did not spread at all. So that's obviously a unique situation. The first wow. we've heard in the National Football League. Um, away from that, Vontez Perfect was arrested this morning in Nevada on a misdemeanor battery charge. College football, Ohio State is pouring it on. Michigan State, 51-10. to 10. They just scored again. A PAT is pending in that one. Texas, 69-31 over Kansas State. That ballgame's on FS1. Another undefeated team gets beat. Marshall gets trumped by Rice, 20 to nothing. Guys, check this out. Grant Wells, the quarterback for Marshall, was 18-35. 165 yards and five wow. INTs. That's that's gonna hurt. Steve, did you miss Jarrett Patterson today? I did. You know, I th- this Buffalo running back. You know, oh. as you know, Jeff, he had a 300 oh, yeah. yard game. Then he had a 400 yard game and eight touchdowns. Four and nine. I got my Heisman update. I I want so much to sneak him into my top three, but their game was canceled oh. today. So I mean, he's he only played four games. He'll have. One more game, maybe. Yeah. I mean, it's ah, oh. because he would have had a chance to do. I mean, it's never happened before. And again, essentially, he could do it next week. No one, not even Barry Sanders, ever had three consecutive three hundred yard rushing yeah. days. Yeah, and and they should have left him in the, to get the record. What yeah. happened there? We were oh. on the air watching this, right? I was sitting here with Lavar last Saturday, and we we're like, this guy oh. is going to break the record. And then all of a sudden, they went they down and scored. Out. I'm like, who is this that just scored? Where is and he? Ro- my favorite part was Ross Tucker was calling the game, former offensive lineman. Yeah. He was so upset because he knew the implications of taking him out of the game at the time. It was really funny to listen to. I don't understand why they took him out of the game. You'd already let him pile up the points. All right, Mr. Gascon, are you all done? I guess so. There he is. He's mocked, walked away already. Uh, all right, once again, we are coming live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Easy to save 15% or more in the car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com, call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. All right, as we mentioned, uh, one upset Bruin right now, number 15, Oklahoma State. They have the ball inside six minutes to go, trailing at TCU 
29-22. So we'll continue to update you on that game. All right, Jeff, I want to flip over to the NFL for a moment here. And we just heard David Gascon talking about these four different strains of COVID-19. Yeah. Uh, the Ravens say they have in their facility, which, as we know, we barely snuck through week 12. It went all the way to a Wednesday, a yeah, game yeah. that was originally scheduled on a Thursday. And now we go into week 13, and because Pittsburgh and Baltimore had to move their games, Pittsburgh now is going to play on a Monday, so you have two Monday games. Baltimore is going to be on a Tuesday against the Cowboys. And yet, and they had all facilities shut down across the league on Monday and Tuesday. I'm sure they were cleaning the facilities. But I really was hoping that the NFL would emerge from those two days off with a concrete game plan to navigate the last five weeks of the regular season and the playoffs, and yet the commissioner emerged with the comment that, yeah, we really do not need a bubble. And I'm thinking, wow. I mean, you are really rolling the dice with yeah. record number of COVID cases all over the country. What's what's going on there? Why won't they go to some form of a bubble at this point at yeah. the end of the season? Well, the NFL players rejected the bubble idea early in the season. That yeah. was an idea they had. And, and let's be real about why that was. Uh, it's a long NFL season, right? Yes. And to go from September to let's say January, I think that the last game this year is like the middle of January. It's right. a late, it's a late end to the season. Um, that's a long time to, to be away from your family, sure. to be away from your friends. It's a long time to be in the O eleven Jets and be in quarantine, right? Mm-hmm. The NBA bubble was for the playoffs. It was, you know, they had what they had five games before the playoffs or eight, eight games, and then it was yeah. the playoffs. So it's easier to sell. Hey guys, we're trying to win a championship. Just suck it up and be in the bubble. So I think the NFL, they're not going to help with this, but I think that the teams will decide once the playoffs hit to, to bubble themselves. They will rent out hotels. They will stay by themselves, and for one month. The families will understand this is what you know daddy has to go do right and or mommy i mean there, there's obviously administration you know coaches administrative people on um on, on uh both genders right so because look and that's part of it too Steve, it's, it's not just you know nba had 35 guys in each team right it's gonna be 53 players plus a, a practice squad of i think 16 this year plus your injured guys that are still around the facility rehabbing right and, and trying to play plus your training staff plus your coaching staff, plus your administrative staff, plus your equipment staff, like plus your, you know, your your operations people. So it's not just the players, it's 150 people that have to be away from their families for extended period of time. So that's why the 6 month had, it was not never going to work, but for one month, hey guys, you know, mom and dad are working for a month. They're, they're trying to win a Super Bowl. I feel like the families would understand that situation better than anything else. Well, imagine this. So when you get to the playoffs, Jeff, you can't suddenly have a game on a Wednesday. Okay? No, you can't. Because you can't have one team play on a Sunday and another team play on a Wednesday and then both of them match up the following Sunday. So if you had a team, if you get to the playoffs and one team, one team has to shut it down, then – to be fair, you have to move everybody's game for that round. Yes. You can't just move one game. You would have to move the entire round of games to a yeah. different date to make the schedules even. It would, I mean, it's just beyond a mess. And imagine, <laughs> imagine if you got to like the conference championship game week 
and all of a sudden there's an outbreak and one of the teams starting like Aaron Rodgers is out. Done. Yeah. Okay. Really? I mean, that looks so bad on the league. They would be crucified if yeah. that were because they refused to go to a bubble situation. Yeah. But I'm even talking before that. You're talking about the playoffs. I'm saying, why not now? What I'm saying is we're in December, okay? And there's still a lot of teams battling for playoff spots. Yeah. We don't know if there's going to be seven teams in each conference. There might be eight teams. Depends on if we have a week 18. Yeah. Um but why not now? I mean, I, I'm with you. I mean, the whole season seemed far-fetched. It was. But now? I mean, you got five weeks left. Yeah. There's a lot of teams trying to battle to get in the playoffs. Why not go to individual city team bubbles now? No, I, I, I'm not I'm not disagreeing with your point, but I think that what Goodell has said and what the NFL has done with their protocols put in place is that if you follow the protocols – you should not have a wildfire break, like a giant break. Now, we've seen, obviously, with the Ravens and Titans, it has not been the case. And, you know, the four strains of a coronavirus is, is pretty interesting because the uh, NFL head physician, uh, I believe Dr. Alan Stills, came out about two, three weeks ago and said, hey, look, we're seeing that the coronavirus is not spreading within the facility. It's happening with players bringing in the coronavirus from outside the facility. And that this kind of and what happened with the Ravens kind of backs up what he said is that it's not just like one guy coming in sick and everyone else getting sick. It's multiple guys getting sick outside the facility, whether that's obviously at their house or they go out, whatever they're doing. And then bringing that in. So if you follow the protocols, if you wear your mask, which the Broncos quarterbacks, all they do is wear their masks and they would have played last weekend. If you are six feet apart from each other, they're doing virtual meetings. You're testing every day. You should not have large outbreaks. So I understand your point. I understand Goodell's point, but I still think a bubble, at least for the playoff caliber teams, is something that they're thinking about doing, and I think they're going to do it. I hope so, because I, I was stunned when the commissioner, and again, when we talk about the commissioner, let's be real, he ain't talking on his own behalf. He's just, uh, he's the guy that delivers the message. He's the guy that gets all the criticism, takes all the heat away from the owners. That's why they pay him so much money. That's your job, Roger. So apparently, at least now, the owners haven't figured out some path where they can create a bubble situation but I'm telling you right now, if they don't have a bubble, some form of a bubble for the playoffs, you are looking at a catastrophe for the NFL. We're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Now, the month of December, oh, it's a festive month, of course. For a lot of people, they're just trying to get through December and turn the page to 2021. But it's also a month where college football coaches or NFL coaches, well, their jobs are being evaluated. There's one major school that may be making another change. We'll tell you who that is coming up next. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to Stan, the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. Ball of the far hash, they work right to left to throw the football. Max in the pocket, it starts a breakdown, comes back left, throws a deep ball. He's got a man breaking free, Gary Davis under it. He's got it, it's a 20, at the 15, down to the 10, to the 5, touchdown, hit the horn! That's Brian Estridge right there, Learfield IMG College and TCU. 
Looking to pull the upset today. They are leading number 15, Oklahoma State. It is 29-22 TCU. Oak State has the ball right now. A little more than two minutes to go in the fourth quarter. So we'll continue to update you on a potential upset in that game. By the way, just three minutes to go in the first half. Notre Dame, undefeated, two, number two in the country, is leading 1-9 and nine Syracuse, 10-7. 10-7. Um, I don't know what happened to the Irish today. They decided to take a day <laughs> off, but they are clinging to a 10 to 7 lead three minutes ago in the first half. 9 and 0 Notre Dame against 1 and 9 Syracuse, and that is a bad Syracuse uh, team. All right, I want to get into, uh, by the way, we're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, um, coaches' jobs. And. The University of Texas, you know, they had this amazing run from 2001 to 2009 with Mac Brown, nine straight double-digit win seasons. Of course, won the national championship with Vince Young. They were this powerhouse. And then things went sideways for Texas under Mac Brown to the point where they basically forced him to resign. They bring in Charlie Strong, who threw out three consecutive losing seasons. And then they hired Tom Herman. Now, Tom Herman has had... And it looks like with their win today, they're going to have four consecutive winning seasons. They've won three bowl games, but the Natives are not happy. And there are wild rumors right now that Tom Herman is on his way out at the University of Texas. What's going on there, Jeff? And is that still one of the marquee jobs in college football? So I feel like Texas, USC... Maybe Michigan, even though they haven't had the success in, mm-hmm. uh, which, with titles that Texas and USC had. But those three schools, I feel like, really live in the past as mm. far as the way they approach their program. I don't look, I'm obviously, I, I cover Pac 12 radio uh, Monday through Friday. I'm from LA. Like, I know USC pretty well and I know how they're recruiting and how their fans think and everything. And it's always about 2004, 2005. Like, yeah. it's, they always talk about the past. Well, recruits now, they're, they're, they were like two. When that Texas USC game happened, yeah, and when USC had Pete Carroll, and when you like, there's and Texas still talks about the Mac Brown days, right? The good old days, and like, it's guys, it, we're in, we're in 2020 now. You have to talk about the future, and you have to talk about what you can do now to win football games. And I feel like that 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 problem about the way they approach their culture and their recruiting is the reason why things haven't gone as well. There. Plus, look, other teams now. It's it's easier than ever to recruit, right? It's no longer a um, not a regional thing, but like it's no longer a blue blood recruiting thing, right? We've seen Clemson all of a sudden come out of nowhere and just start recruiting their their butts off. Oregon come out of nowhere, so start recruiting their butts off and take guys from 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 uh, from USC, right? A and M now in the SEC in Texas pulling recruits from Texas. So you, you can't just rely on being like the blue blood anymore just to pull guys to your school. And so I don't know if Herman is the problem because when you fire a coach, Steve, you know this, you have to hire someone who's better. That, that's the point of firing a coach, right, is you hire someone who's better. Who, if Urban Meyer doesn't come to Texas, who are they getting that's better than Tom Herman? But here's the thing, Jeff. Okay, so think about some traditional powers that had faded away and came back. You think of Alabama before Nick Saban. They never thought they'd ever get back to the Bear Bryant era. He's exceeded that. Uh, Urban Meyer, when he went to Ohio State, remember they were in shambles 
Uh, they had a six and seven season. They're on probation. His first year, he goes twelve and zero. Uh, Pete Carroll at USC, a very prime example. Everyone had harkened back to the the John McKay, John Robinson heydays of the '60s, '70s. Uh, would we ever get back there? And I remember my dad was an SC grad, and and thanking Pete Carroll, even though I'm a UCLA guy, for bringing back USC to prominence. So. That's what that's what Texas is holding out hope for is that they can find their Urban Meyer or their Pete Carroll or their Nick Saban that can bring back Texas football to what they enjoyed a couple of decades ago, where they were in the conversation during the year after the season as far as a, a possible national championship. And Tom Herman has done certainly a better job than Charlie Strong did. But it's nowhere near where they want to be. So you're right. They're unrealistic. I mean, Notre Dame football's been suffering for years from this. This delusion that Newt Rockney or Frank yeah, Leahy or... A, I mean, Kelly's about to make his second playoff, right? In like four years? Well, I mean, yeah, but he's had two undefeated seasons, regular seasons. One year he got blown out in the BCS championship game by Alabama. And yeah. the year they got to the playoffs, they got blown out by Clemson. I mean, I mean it's one thing for them to sure. get to the playoffs, but if they get blown out, they won a national championship, which they haven't had since yeah. 1988. No, I, I, I think I think they've done a better job than, than let's say than Texas has as far as getting getting close to being there. I mean, like yeah. that's the thing too is like I just back to what we started the show with is that you you the the end result of only winning a championship as being a successful season is not realistic for ninety eight percent of college football teams in this country. Mm-hmm. And maybe Texas needs is one of those teams that needs to not think about winning a title every single year. When you have a special season, yes, that season, sure. Otherwise, just win the Big 12. Yeah, I mean, it, these are the little things that happen, especially this year. By the way, Ohio State won big today, but it's enough to get to the playoffs. We've got a big update coming up next. All right, rolling along in this big college football Saturday. We are coming in live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on your car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. Well, we've talked about Notre Dame-Syracuse. Notre Dame has just scored a 21-yard pass from Ian Book to Javon McKinley. So uh, Notre Dame 17-7 leading Syracuse. Minute and a half to go in the first half in that game. A couple of games have kicked off already. Florida has early 3-0 lead on the road against Tennessee. And a game that I am taking the points, not looking good early, as Iowa State gets on the board 7-0 leading West Virginia in that game. By the way, no score, Indiana and Wisconsin. Speaking of the Big Ten, Jeff, uh, Ohio State scrambled all week long to play this game against Michigan State. It was a scramble, and they got the game in, and they won big today. Michigan's game this week was not played. And next week, of course, is Ohio State and Michigan. And technically, under the rules that the Big Ten laid out before the season, in order to play in the Big Ten championship game, you had to have played at least six of the eight games on your schedule. The Michigan game will be Ohio State's sixth game. If that game is not played, then according to the preseason rules, they would not be eligible for the Big Ten championship game, and that might jeopardize their situation with the playoffs. But you have an update on that situation. Yeah, I do. Uh, Brett McMurphy from Stadium uh, tweeted out a big uh, Big Ten. I, I hate how they do this big 
this, this, they don't do 10, whatever. I know, they ADs, just call it big, yeah. They call it big. Yeah. Uh, but with a one, though, so it's not really... Right. Um, will likely change the Big Ten title game requirements to allow a 5-0 and Ohio State title <laughs> game if they can't play a, a sixth league game. So this is what they should be doing, right? All the conferences in this weird season should all be just making up the rules to get their best teams in. All I'm right. all for it. I am 100% for this. This is what... You, your conference should be doing and the revenue brought in by that is huge for your entire conference like they should they should do all this so i i I know people might be outraged about it but i am not i i'm glad they're doing this and um i am i'm all for this game system for your wins well and again i i even maintained that if there was a five and oh ohio state team that was not eligible for the Big Ten championship, they'd still be in the playoff. Remember, Ohio State yes. did get into the playoff one year. They lost to Penn State. Remember that? They didn't yes. win the Big Ten champ. They weren't in the Big Ten championship game. They got in the playoff. There was a year Alabama was not in the SEC championship game. Not only did they get in the playoff, they won the championship. Yeah. So the rules have there and again i mentioned earlier my whole scenario no playoff committee earn your way into the playoff you gotta be uh in your conference championship but but this is not a year for rules i mean you're just sort of playing week to week you know we talked about this game coming up this afternoon uh nine and oh coastal carolina hosting nine and oh byu this game just started two what two days ago when they scheduled this game just just got out of correct yeah so i mean you're making up the rules as you go and that's the kind of year we are. So I don't think, honestly, it would affect Ohio State one way or the other as far as the playoff. They're going to be in the playoff. I promise you, a thousand percent. Ohio State is going to be in that unless they get upset by Michigan. By the way, speaking of Michigan, is this it for Jim Harbaugh? I mean, I mean, or are they going to give him a pass when other coaches? We've seen three NFL coaches fired during this pandemic. We've seen college coaches walk yeah. the plank. I mean, is Harbaugh done at Michigan? And getting back to what you talked about in the previous hour about Texas, would you have somebody better to replace him with? Well, so that's the question, right? So the the, the leading candidates, let's take Urban Meyer out of this, right? Because he's the leading candidate for every job, right? Sure. Texas, Michigan, USC, whatever it is. Yeah. Like who really? Who who's out there that's better than than Harbaugh? You know, Matt Campbell at, Ohio, at Iowa State, everyone talks about, right? Mm. But he's not won more than nine games Iowa State, right? Yeah. In his ten, so like, I mean, I I guess in Michigan he wins ten a year. I I, I mean, like that, that's not a guarantee, right? Um, you know, they're they're talking about uh, you know, the the coastal head coach, uh, you know, Scott Satterfield of Louisiana mm-hmm. at, at Louisville. You know, I'm thinking about like younger kind of up and coming coaches. Um, I, I don't, those don't ring, those don't feel like Michigan guys. Um, you know, are you, are you learn? Are, are, are you getting Brian Kelly away from Notre Dame to go to Michigan? Yeah. Uh, you know, everyone, people have talked a little bit about Mario Cristobal from Oregon going there. I, I, I please, I hope he doesn't go there. Please do not let him leave Oregon. Um, um, I think he would, he would do an okay job at Michigan, but he's not like a Michigan guy. That's one thing too, that kind of bothers me. Uh, Harmon about some of this stuff is they say we need a Michigan guy. You need a guy that can win. Right? Yeah, exactly. You know, how's that? Michigan, how's that know, Scott Frost thing working yeah, in Nebraska? And and you know USC's done that. We need a USC guy. No, you need a winning guy. You need a winning guy. That's what you need. Oregon State, they need an Oregon State guy. Michigan needs a winning guy. So um, yeah, I'm a. Uh, 
I, I, I don't know. It's a weird year, too, like the buyout situation, right? You these public schools paying all these buyouts for these coaches in a COVID budget season. I think Harbaugh remains for one more year. I agree with you. By the way, you mentioned Brian Kelly. Here's an amazing stat about Brian Kelly. Um, so he is on his way to – he's finishing his 11th season. There's only one Notre Dame coach ever – that has coached more than 11 seasons. Leahy did 11. Parsegian did 11. Lou Holtz did 11. That was Nuke Rockney did 13. That is wow. the longest tenure ever for a Notre Dame coach. And unless he decides to go somewhere, Brian Kelly isn't going anywhere. But even with all that, they're still like, you know, when are you going to win a national championship? I mean, they're 9-0 right now. They're probably going to be undefeated going into, ooh, that's going to be a big matchup, though, huh? Clemson. And, you know, there are some potential tremendous conference game matchups we got looming. Notre Dame-Clemson, and assuming, obviously, that Trevor Lawrence will be, well, he's back already, but, you know, he was missing from that first game. Could Notre Dame beat Clemson a second time? Uh, I mean, can they? Yes, because their defense, I think, is is really. I don't think I know their elite defense. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, with with that defense, they can, and they do just enough with Ian Book on offense. You know, he's had games where he he's, hasn't looked very good, but then he looked. You know, North Carolina was good, and BC was good, and the first Clemson game was good. Um, but Clemson with Trevor Lawrence is just a different animal. Um, it, it would feel tough to beat them with Trevor Lawrence, but uh, but it's possible with, with, with that defense. It's anything's possible. Yeah, and then the other potential conference matchup game is the Florida-Alabama game, yeah. uh, which could, and I'll have my Heisman update at the bottom of the hour, but that could be a Heisman showdown right there, right? Mac Jones, Kyle Trask, whoever has the big game that day, votes will be going out after that SEC championship game. That could decide that championship. You see, Could you see the Gators pulling an upset in that game? No, not really. Wow. I'm trying <laughs> I mean, to get you going there, right? I, I, mean, I, I, I feel like Notre Dame has a better chance to beat Clemson than Florida does to beat Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, Alabama is just are so good. Are so good, man. Um, <laughs> I mean, since since the second half, since the first half of the Georgia game, right, yeah. they allowed 24 points. Mm-hmm. They have allowed 17, 0, 3, and 13 in the last, uh, what is that? That's now uh, 18 quarters. Yeah. Like their defense guys is is becoming what we thought their defense was supposed to be. And today they're gonna smoke LSU uh in a little bit tonight. Um their defense is returning back to what we always thought it would be and what we expect from Nick Saban team. Um so that'd be tough to it'd be really tough to to see Florida beating them. Yeah, I and, and Kyle Trask really is an amazing story. I mean, you think about a kid that didn't even start in his high school. <laughs> he wouldn't would even start his senior in high school. He was like, they had like a two quarterback yeah. thing, but he was their second quarterback. Essentially, he's a, a walk on at Florida, you know, pretty yeah. much. Fifth year guy. Last year, he finally got an opportunity to, to start, and he's just putting up some unbelievable numbers. Yeah. Gators are back. When the Gators are back. Yeah. And remember, they were supposedly going to get Chip Kelly. Remember, you remember how that all played yeah. out? Because I was, I was champion. Oh, yeah. Hey, maybe you can get Chip Kelly to come to UCLA, and all these people are like, he's not going. He's got. He's going to Florida. He's going to Florida. He's going to I be. Thought it was too. Yeah, 
and he decided to go to UCLA. How the fortune of those two schools yeah. changed with that decision. Wow. Hey, Florida's wearing their their flat matte blue helmets. Oh, these uniforms look look sweet today. Yeah. Uh, they're playing Tennessee. They're up 3-0. Um, in in Knoxville, uh, almost end of the first quarter. So uh, you know this they should beat Tennessee. Tennessee's two and five, um, and you know they'll meet they'll meet Alabama in the SEC championship game. Um, and you know I, I, it's interesting because if Florida beats Alabama in the SEC championship game, mm-hmm. Alabama is probably out of the playoff, right? But I, if, whoa, 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 whoa! How about this scenario? Let's say Florida beats Alabama, close game, close yeah. game, and Clemson beats Notre Dame. In a close game. So you would now have all four schools with one loss. Yeah. Could it be an all ACC SEC playoff? Uh, oh, man. Especially it, if, uh, if Ohio State were to get upset. Well, if Ohio State gets upset, yes. Okay. And so, and how would that play out to have four teams from two conferences Look, in your playoff? Look, I, I, I do not care. I want to see the four best teams. Like I don't care if there are four SEC teams, or four SEC teams, or in the rare year maybe there's four Pac-12 teams that are good enough to be in the playoff. But uh, it does not matter to me. I just want to see the best teams play. And if those are the four best teams, then so be it. Like, and this is why. Again, I'm I'm not like a, a playoff snob. I just want to see the best teams play. I don't need to have eight teams or six teams or twelve teams. Just I just want to see the best teams play. And, and if it's determined that those are the four best teams, then so be it. I'm, I'll be excited to watch them play. By the way, we're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. We were talking about Notre Dame was up ten seven with like three minutes to go in the half. Uh, we have six minutes to go in the half. It's twenty four seven Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah, they just scored two touchdowns in a matter of seconds there. So that's uh, what happens when you're playing Syracuse. Yeah, Syracuse, they've earned that one and nine record. When the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. All right, we're going to update you a little more on the NFLs. Get ready for Week 13. There was no Thursday game because you had a Wednesday game from the previous week. Uh, some of the marquee matchups that we're going to break down for you coming up next. Do you love Selena? Like really love. Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. And now they're going to hand it off to Hall. Up the middle he goes. Hall breaking tackles across the 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. Brees Hall, 23 yards. That's Sean Walters right there. Learfield IMG College, Iowa State, taking the early 7-0 lead against West Virginia. Top 10 team, the Cyclones, this year. Looking good as uh, just starting the second quarter. Yes, Iowa Sam wanted to chime in. Yes, so Iowa oh, State. Oh, wait a second. Oh, what happened? Touchdown, Iowa State. There we go. Well, they're just putting the bow on this season because they've now clinched a spot in the Big 12 title game with yeah. Oklahoma State's loss. Mm-hmm. They want to be regular season conference champions. Yeah. 
And, uh, yeah, put a bow on it. So here we go. All right. Well, my pick is not looking good right now, but uh, there's plenty of time left here. By the way, do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. Fortunately, GEICO makes it easy to bundle your home and car insurance. It's a good thing, too, because having a home is hard work. Go to GEICO.com. Get a quote, sandwich. You could save GEICO.com. It is easy. All right, so we'll continue to update you on all these games around the college football season. But, uh, hey, Jeff, we got to get into a little NFL football. We had no Thursday game. We got two Monday games. We got a oh, Tuesday yeah. games. We got the last bye week. Tampa and Carolina are off this week. But I'm looking at the slate of games coming up tomorrow. And one of the early games tomorrow is Cleveland at Tennessee. I mean, Cleveland, you talk about flying under the radar. They got blown out in the opening game of the season. Since then, they are eight and two. They yeah. are eight and three overall. Obviously, a substantial underdog on the road against Tennessee. Should we be looking more closely at Cleveland right now, or are they just not for real? So here's a couple of things to take into consideration for Cleveland. Uh, they have a negative 21-point differential. Mm. It's the worst by any 8-3 or better team in their first 11 games in NFL history. Wow, great stat. And they, and they have the 29th easy schedule in the NFL. Um, I don't know if you use the website or you've heard the website Football Outsiders. Sure. They have a yeah. metric called you know, their, their DVOA metric, right? Fantastic for measuring efficiency. Um, it's a great tool. It's kind of industry standard. People use all the time. For those who don't know, well, football is free. Go look at it. It's a great tool. They have the Cleveland Browns as the worst 8-3 team they've ever measured. <laughs> ever. Okay? And they is for the NFL. And it's actually, not, it's actually not even by, – it's by a wide margin, too. It's right. like 10% worse than the next team. Mm. So <laughs> I, I, they're going to make the playoffs by virtue of their schedule and by virtue of winning some of these games. But I think tomorrow is going to be a rough game. I, I know that the Sharps like, like, like the Browns plus five and a half or six points. Uh, I'm really on the Titans in this one. I, I, I think the Titans – are getting back to their roots as far as what they did in 2019, which is run the football play action pass. They're starting to weather the storm of losing their left tackle, Taylor Luan, which was a big loss. They kind of have figured out what to do on offense. And defensively, they're just getting incrementally better. They're better on third down. They're better at, at rushing the pass. So like they're just getting a little bit better each week. Obviously, a big win against the Colts, big win against the Ravens two weeks ago. Uh, I think the Browns have a lot of trouble in Nashville. This is the best quarterback they played in good weather. Remember, they played the Raiders at home in the in the wind in the wind and rain, and they played the the Texans with Sean Watson in the wind and rain and cold. The weather's going to be good to, tomorrow in Nashville. So. I think the Titans kind of take it to them. But I still think the Browns are a playoff team by virtue of their schedule. All right, another big game tomorrow. Battle in the NFC West, the Rams and the Cardinals. So yeah. the Rams are coming off a very disappointing loss to the 49ers. Arizona's yes. lost back-to-back -back roadies against Seattle and New England. Uh, it seems like the wheels are coming off for Arizona. Maybe we were a little premature in saying that they had arrived. But you get a sense that this is some kind of elimination game right now. You look at that Rams offense. I mean, you know, I, I was thinking early Kevin O'Connell made a difference as far as Jared Goff. Um, I could not believe after that game, Sean McVay threw Goff under the bus. I've never heard him do that before. I mean, he he called him out for making mistakes. It was just a turnover machine hearkening yeah. back to the early days of Goff. But when you hear Sean McVay throw his quarterback under the bus like he did after that loss of the 49ers – you got to wonder where the Rams' mindset is right now. So, two guy, two teams trying to hang in there. Yeah. Where are we going with this game? 
So a lot of things to to consider here. Um, the the Rams have a lot of weird trends. Okay, mm-hmm. for example, they're really good against Seattle, and they're five and one now. The last six games against Seattle. All right. They're really bad against the Niners. Kyle Shanahan owns the Rams. They lost last weekend. Yeah, four and zero the last two years. Sean McVay is six and zero against the Cardinals. Mm. <laughs> like I, I, they just have these really these really weird trends, and I, I don't know why. But here's why that the Cardinals worry me in this game, and we'll get back to the Rams in just a second because I think there's some some legitimate issues with golf. Yeah, but Kyler Murray has been hurt the last couple of weeks. And his production has really dropped, especially r- rushing the football. He's at 15 yards mm-hmm. and he's had um, uh, 31 yards against the Patriots. A big part of what they do in the red zone when it's time to score points is use his legs because that offense, their passing game is not built very well for the red zone when everything condenses. Right? From the 20, you have, tw- you, have, you have 20 yards plus the 10-yard end zone. So you have 30 yards. And when everything condenses down, their passing game is not as good. But but running the cornerback is great in the red zone because you have an extra blocker, right? So they can't use him in that, in that situation, and they have not been as good the last couple. So I worry that we're looking at a Cardinals offense that's not as good when Murray can't run. They're very good at deep passing. The Rams are the best defense in the NFL at defending the deep pass. And I think that you mentioned Goff's not been playing well the last couple of weeks, and I think that McVay calling him out will will give be impactful on him playing better this weekend. So I actually lean the Rams here. Um, I know Arizona needs to win, but the Rams need to win too. So um, I'm going with the Rams again. Yeah, the the line shifted on this one. Arizona actually was like a one point favorite. They're like a two point dog. So yeah, a lot of money's rolling out on the Rams now. A game that doesn't have major playoff implications. But to me, is a very intriguing game is New England at the Chargers for both reasons. I mean, one, you talk about a coaching mismatch, uh, mismatch uh, between Belichick and Anthony Lynn. I mean, this last game for the Chargers, almost every game of the Chargers has had some kind yeah. of ending. Like you're like, what is going on? They get this miracle fourth and twenty-seven yeah. play to the two-yard line, no timeouts. They're running down. <laughs> All you're thinking is spike the ball. Let's get a couple of plays in. You're down ten. You're down ten. Just cover for me, so please. Just, I had the Chargers. You, you just got cover. You got to snap the but you just spike the ball. Couple of shots at the end zone. If you can't go field goal, onside kick, whatever. They get run up to the line of scrimmage. They get the playoff, and they hand the ball off to Eckler, who oh. gets stuffed while the clock is still running. And then even in the end, like you said, you're looking for the cover, right? Yeah. And so you, you've you got three seconds left. First of all, they had actually run the field goal team onto the field. Like, in three seconds, you could kick a field goal, yeah. have an onside kick, recover it, and get another oh, yeah. playoff. And then Anthony Lynn, they're like, oh, forget it. And then you had Herbert run up to the ball, take the snap. He got stoned right as he snapped well, the ball. I mean, this team is such a mess right now. And Anthony <laughs> Lynn, after the game, they said, what the hell's going on? He goes, there was miscommunication. Oh, you think? So How um, is this guy surviving? I, I, I don't know. Um, a couple more things from that game that were so interesting to me. So the last play of the game, you mentioned it, right? Yeah. Herbert runs up to sneak the ball. Well, the entire offensive line pass protected. Yes. So I've never seen that before. Never in my life. So I don't know what that was. Um, you seem to like numbers, and I'm glad you, you brought up these games because I, we didn't talk about these games beforehand. I yeah. have all my notes from all my, my talk the line <laughs> stuff on Fox Sports, like right. literally right here. So here's some great Chargers stuff. Ready? Right. Love it. Chargers are 4-16 and 16 their last 20 games decided by a single score. That's incredible. I mean, just pause on that number because that is a number that essentially evens out for most teams, right? 
Uh, it should. Yes. That's it, an it, insane number. It's it's insane. Um, it's absolutely wild. Um, there's some other stuff here, like you know, just in um, in uh, take out the 2018 season, which which seemed to be an outlier. Right. They're seven and 21 in one score games under Anthony Lynn, and just in general. So right. like, they hasn't even evened out yet. Hasn't evened out yet. Um, Chargers are first team in NFL history to blow a 16 point lead in four consecutive games, which is so, incredible. So here's why. Yeah. Um, I like the, the Patriots in this game. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned Anthony Lynn. It is coaching, right? Because look, who is the better quarterback in this game right now? The, the Chargers, right? It's not even close. Who has the better defense right now? Not the even Chargers. close. Who has the I better mean, personnel. The if you're just laying out these rosters, the Chargers are a much better roster than the Patriots. Correct. Um, it's it's absolutely wild. But you have the, the number 32 ranked special teams in the NFL and the Chargers. I get a coach that refuses to, to call a game properly at the end of the half or the game. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a report came out yesterday, Cam Newton's on the injury report now, so I'm, I, we'll see how that, that pans out. But I still think that the Chargers win this, uh, the, you know, the Patriots win this game for coaching. Oh, I, I don't think I said. I mean, in fact, it was our, my producer down in San Diego during the week. We are making our weekly picks, and I mentioned this. I go, this is one of the greatest coaching mismatches of all time. And there's no question the Chargers have better personnel than the Patriots right now, and he said, "I got to pick the I got to pick the Patriots." Anybody that picks, uh, you know, Anthony Lynn to somehow outwit Belichick is, is simply not paying attention. All right, we're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Let's find out what's trending. We got my Heisman update on the other side, but right now, David Gascon, oh boy, is back. I'm back. You are back. Where the hell is Kyle Trask? Well, you're going to find out. I will. Right now, yeah. he's not doing a whole hell of a lot. Well, he's... again, my update is through last week's game. Yeah, no, I got you. Yeah, I got yeah, you. I'm just yeah. asking what was trending. And yeah, he's, uh, he's missing in action. Did you give anybody here at Fox a, a best bet of the day? I did, and it's not looking good. What was it? <laughs> uh, West Virginia, oh. plus six and a half. Oh, I what? had it six at Iowa State. But they're driving right now. Yes, thank you. I that's, need that. It's a good sign. West yeah. Virginia right now is losing to Iowa State 14-0. Breesaw, seven carries for 34 yards and also one TD. Kyle Trask, 9-12, 114 yards, no touchdown passes. In fact, Florida's got a mere three points through in the second quarter. Unranked Tennessee is leading six-ranked Florida, 7-3 is the count in that ball game. Notre Dame's offense was stuck in gear for a little while, and then all of a sudden in the second quarter, they scored 21 straight. They lead Syracuse 24 to 7. Ian Book 21 to 29, 252 yards, and also a pair of scores in that one. Earlier today, Ohio State won convincingly, blowing out Michigan State. Number 19, Iowa's getting dismantled by Illinois. Nightmare! 14-0 is the score. That ball game's on FS1. Michael Penix Jr. is done for the year. Indiana right now leads Wisconsin 6-0. Tulsa and Navy going at it. There's no score in that ball game. And Stanford leads at Washington. 7-0. That ball game is on Big Fox. Guys, back to you. All right. Thank you very much, David. Once again, we're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Easy to save 15% or more on your car insurance with Geico. Go to Geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. All right. It's that time. It's the Heisman Update. 10-5 touchdown. Heisman Update. Well, again, this is... My 11th year that I'll be voting for the Heisman, and 
I have to say it's a challenging year to say the least. This is not going to be easy, but it is what it is. So we can only judge them on the games they play. So each week I like to update you where I stand, one, two, three, in the Heisman chase. Here is my current number three. Play fake, duck by Zach, and he throws for the end zone to the back right corner, and the catch is made for the score in the back right corner. Neil Pau for the touchdown. Wilson to Pau, and the Cougars make it 27-0 with the PAT pending. All right, that's BYU. Wonderful grab, and the Cougars pulling away. All right, sorry to interrupt you. BYU Sports Radio Network, Zach Wilson, the BYU quarterback. He's got a big game coming up today, but completing 74% of his passes, 26 touchdowns, just two interceptions. Zach Wilson, BYU quarterback, is my current number three. Here is my current number two. Max looks. Max in trouble. Max stands in. Throws to Billingsley. Touchdown, Alabama. Touchdown, Alabama. 24 yards. Mac Jones to Jaleel Billingsley. Eli Gold from Learfield IMG College. Mac Jones. 76% completion percentage, 30, 23 touchdowns, three picks, and, of course, he is the quarterback of the current number one team in the country. Mac Jones, quarterback, Alabama, is my number two. Here is my number one. Snap back to Trask. He throws the ball off the left for Kyle Pitts. He's got a touchdown. Kyle Pitts has just gone for the hat trick in his first game back in three weeks. He's got his third touchdown pass of the game from Kyle Trask. Mick Hubert from Learfield IMG College. Kyle Trask on the season, 71% completion rate, leads the nation, 34 touchdown passes, only three picks. Wow. Kyle Trask, quarterback at Florida, is my current number one. All right, so, again, I'm basing my picks on what they've done on the field. There is an X factor, and his name is Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, who, of course, missed two games with covid uh, then had a game canceled against Florida State or postponed. I don't know if they're ever going to make that game up. Um, are you with my top three right now, or would you change things up? Where, where would you stand I, right I, now? I, I, I like it. Um, I, I do think that Trevor Lawrence, if in a full season, probably would have won the Heisman. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe just, even Justin Fields, too. But they just they haven't played a, a full season. So like it's hard to give it to them over guys that have played just longer and tougher competition. Right, and that's sort of my point. In other words, I mean, Zach Wilson, I mean, it is not impossible, by the way, for Trevor Lawrence to end up number one on my list. I mean, if if he runs the table and they blow out Notre Dame in the ACC championship game and he, he has four or five touchdown passes yeah. and something like that, and let's say Kyle Trask, I mean, Kyle, we mentioned a, a showdown between Kyle Trask and Mac Jones potentially in the SEC championship yeah. game. Well, let's say they both play lousy. You know, and because ultimately my vote, Jeff, has always been sort of like uh, among the main candidates. What did you do in the biggest game of your season? In other words, in that game, what did you do? I mean, guys can pile up numbers we know against inferior competition. We see that all the time in the college ranks. But what did you do in the game that mattered most? Do you have a Heisman moment? I'm looking for that, right? And we still have a lot of games to play out. Right, and um, so th- there's still time for that. But in this year, like for example, you know, Trevor Lawrence, to your, to your example, he would do that in the Notre Dame game, right? Like the final sure. game of the year, if he comes out and just has a 400 yard game, multiple yep. touchdowns, you would probably you might be more inclined to give him that. That, that. I do you do you think we should do the Heisman after the bowl season? Uh, like, 
No? Are you well, in or out no, on No, because, okay, now, you know, I don't know how much you know about my involvement with the Heisman. I'm, like, married to this trophy, okay, Jeff? I mean, I go back to uh, Gary Beban beating out OJ in 1967 when I was nine years old because my dad went to SC, my mom went to UCLA. So this is how far back I go with my obsession with the Heisman okay. Trophy. Now, back in the old days, I mean the old days, prior to 1991, the vote went out before all the games were played. The most famous example of this was the last year they did and why they changed the rule, and that was 1990. Ty Detmer edged out Rocket Ishmael for the Heisman Trophy. The day that they announced the trophy, Ty Detmer was in Hawaii. In fact, he wasn't in New York. They had him on a video screen in Hawaii because BYU played Hawaii that night. You know what happened? Hawaii routed them. Right. So if the, all the votes had waited another week, so then they decided, all right, we're gonna we're gonna wait till all the uh, and it can. This used to be a mail vote, you know, before we had the internet and everything else. Now, obviously, it's all done electronically. As far as the bowl games are concerned, you can make that argument because people don't understand this. Prior to two thousand and two, bowl game numbers did not count. Yeah. As NCAA official stats, the guy that really suffered from this was Ron Dane. Um, a couple of years ago, Humphrey out of uh, Dante Humphrey out of San Diego State broke his all-time career rushing record, but he he didn't play the. Ron Dane had three bowl games in which he rushed for over 200 yards. Three, yeah, including back-to-back Rose Bowl games. Those are still to this day not considered official NCA stats. So in 2002, the bowl games then became official NCA stats. So once they did that, I didn't know that. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, so any bowl game prior to 2002, it may be included in conference records, or you know, some schools will include those bowl games, but they're not official NCA numbers. And they will never be. Um, they And I said, well, why don't you retroactively? They said, no, they're not doing that. So they've had a lot of different changes. But I agree with you. I think we're now in the day and age where if you really want to make that argument, you can. But then the argument on the other side is, is that all the major professional sports, the MVP awards, they're all regular season awards. All of them. The NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, the NFL. You have regular season awards. And then you can be the NBA Finals MVP or the Super Bowl MVP. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but they've they've never changed. I mean, all those awards are regular season awards, so I guess that's why the Heisman continues to do what they do. Yeah, look, I I, I feel like they they generally get the right guy every year. I'm not. I mean, there's a couple. You know, you know, I, I feel like McCaffrey one year had a really good chance to win, right? But just didn't. And I think there's is some. A little bit of West Coast bias. I understand people. I live on the East Coast, man. I, staying up to watch Pac-12 games is just brutal. I get it. Um, but uh, I, I feel like in the end, though, the right guy wins most seasons, which well, is most important. Well, I, I think one of the arguments was a couple of years ago with Lamar Jackson beating out Deshaun Watson. So Lamar Jackson had these incredible numbers. And I voted for him, and he won the Heisman. Deshaun Watson was second. Well, that was the year that Watson ended up winning a national championship at Clemson. And so a lot of people said, well, man, if they had had – same thing would happen with Reggie Bush and Vince Young. Yeah, yeah. You know, if if they had waited after that game, there's no doubt Vince Young would have walked away with the Heisman Trophy. But I, I, I don't look at it that way. I, I think the Heisman is a regular season award, just like they are at all the other sports. You can argue backwards and forwards. I mean, the fact that Vince Young did not win the Heisman does not detract 
from him no, winning a national championship. Um, so so should there be like a a playoff MVP? There's not, right? Well, there isn't. I mean, there you yeah. could do something like that. Like I said, the all these other uh, professional sports have some kind of you know MVP of their Super Bowl MVP, World Series MVP. You know, NBA Finals MVP, Smythe Trophy. I mean, they all they all have these trophies to whoever performs best in the postseason. And I've always said this, like with the NBA, I mean, what's more valuable on your resume? Regular season MVP or NBA Finals MVP? I mean, I mean, isn't that what really counts? Super Bowl MVP, regular season MVP. Oh, no, I think you'd rather have Super Bowl MVP. Right. That's my <laughs> yeah. point, right? Yeah. yeah. So... Yeah, I but, I, but I think I that's a good though, idea. Like, like, you know, but Super Bowl MVP can be misleading at times. Sure, because you have guys, obscure guys, win it. I mean, who's Malcolm the, Smith, the, the Cowboys, um, Larry Brown, uh, Larry Brown. Yeah, yeah. How about Malcolm um, Smith with the Seahawks? Yeah. So it, it's not always. I, I think if you if you're if you're able to win both, like like LeBron, right? Right. I think you'd rather have the Finals MVP. Yeah. Um. If you're able to win both, like Trevor Lawrence, you might want the Heisman one year. I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I, I just think it depends on everyone. Well, the Heisman, the thing about the Heisman is, I mean, it's, first of all, it's the most recognizable sports trophy in America, period. I mean, is there a more recognizable actual trophy no. than the Heisman trophy? The Lombardi, maybe, but that's about it. That's probably. I nice. mean, the Heisman is, it's a good looking trophy. It's a great it really trophy. is. I mean, it is a real, and it's huge. I mean, it's a monster. Um, and they've promoted it brilliantly over the years. They really have. I mean, it's so vague. Best college football player in the country. But when you see the emotion and then the way they create that fraternity, and, of course, they've, you know, Nissan has pulled it into this Heisman house and everything else. I mean, there's no trophy like it. I'm, there simply is no award like the Heisman Trophy. You can make, You can argue about the merits, whether the right guys are actually getting it. But yeah. there's no question that if you get it, it's a life changer. That becomes part of your name the rest of your life. Oh, uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. It does. I mean, even Roger Staubach, who won a couple of – Staubach said, you know, even though I won Super Bowls, people still say Heisman Trophy winner Roger Staubach. Oh, never leaves you. I agree. Never leaves you. Yeah. It's a, it's a prestigious trophy. I'm with you. Yeah, it's a big trophy. Very, very big. All right, we're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Hey, we got some big college games coming up this afternoon, and we're going to get you set for all of them coming up next. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. In motion goes Ellis. Here is Jack Tuttle throwing the football. End zone, Peyton Hendershot, touchdown Indiana. And the Hoosiers draw first blood here in the second quarter in Camp Randall Stadium. All right, that's Don Fisher from Learfield IMG College, so Indiana. 7-3 lead early against Wisconsin. Of course, Penix is out for the season for Indiana. He really was 
Getting close, Jeff, to uh, yeah. making my Heisman list, especially after that amazing game he had against Ohio State and a loss. Uh, Jack Tuttle in a quarterback today, not the same, but uh, Hoosiers have the early 7-3 to lead there. Uh, by the way, during the uh, break, uh, all of a sudden, Iowa Sam uh, lit up. He couldn't believe his Hawkeyes were down 14 to nothing to lowly Illinois, uh, but oh they boy. scored a touchdown, so down 14-7. Lowly. Are you okay now? Fired up, Illinois. Lowly and fired up. I'm I'm doing okay, but they are battling. This is an Illinois team. Lovey Smith, they are they're fighting hard. Yeah, uh, by the way, Jeff, uh, Lovey got rid of the white beard uh, this oh, year. Did you so, see? so disappointed. Yeah, that, that thing was amazing. It looked fantastic. The bald head with that white Santa Claus beard. Santa Claus beard, man, that thing was, that was something it's else. killer. But I guess with wearing, having to wear a mask all the time, it wasn't made. It wasn't very practical. Uh, David Gascon, brilliant, and uh, he's not used to these very abbreviated shows that we have now. Suddenly, for the next couple of it's months, a little odd. It's a little odd. Giving up time for Iowa Sam to talk about Iowa Hawkeyes unranked football. It's yeah, like, number nineteen. Number uh, nineteen. Unranked they're, they're, after they're, this game. Oh, yeah, uh, after this game. game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and who's there? But lead a lap. Lee DeLapp and I, Lee, what year did you start as a, as an intern for me? How far back are we talking? I believe that was uh, late 2011. 2011. So we're coming up on nine years here. Look at that. I mean, Jeff, I mean, so many of the uh, people in this building, I swear, all the major executives that have far passed me, uh, yeah. literally were interns for me back in the day. That's what happens. You know, I'm, wow. I'm sort of caught flat-footed, and then they are, their careers skyrocket. So uh, I appreciate and that. And now you're stuck with me. <laughs> well, Jeff, I'm a, first of all, I'm so fascinated that you got so many stats for me. Okay. Uh, oh, by the way, just a quick update. Florida did score. Uh, they are up 10-7 over the Vols right now. Four minutes ago in that half, Kyle Trask is 15-20, 178, and a score. So I, I got to get to the bottom of this uh, stat fascination. I started throwing NFL games out, and you just like you have all kinds of stuff. What, what are some of the other things you're doing now? Because you're everywhere. Yeah. So well, I have my you know I work for Fox Sports Digital, so mm-hmm. um, I have uh, two digital shows, Talk the Line uh, with Jason McIntyre on Thursdays and Sundays. My and then, man, Jay Mac. Yeah, and um, and then you know so by Saturday, by today. I have like all my notes in front of me for a bunch of the games that I wrote about, uh, and then also that we covered. It's just I have like I'm like I feel like Rome. I have all these papers in front of me, like just <laughs> jiggling around, um, where just like I have all this. So I just have all these notes and on trends and stuff. I have NFL research stuff, and so I have my Pac-12 show Monday through Fridays. I do a couple of my own podcasts. I have to work smarter than you. I got a bunch of stuff like that I do. So by Saturday, by right now, I am I'm. I'm locked with stats. I got everything in, everything I need in front of me. Well, I mean, there's a lot of interesting games. I mean, how about this game? Who would have dreamt going into this season, Alabama would be at LSU as a 30-point favorite? It's oh, Who it, would have dreamt before this season that yeah. Alabama at LSU would have Alabama technically a 29-and-a-half-point favorite in Baton Rouge? Well, LSU lost what eighteen of twenty-two starters, something yeah. like that, um, and which obviously is is not ideal, and uh, it just hasn't been a, a good year for them. Um, you know, they had to replace a historic offense. It's hard to to do that, especially when you lose all these opt outs, mm-hmm. and um, you know, and obviously an off season where you don't have um, you know really any time to practice or get ready. It's a short, abbreviated season, so uh, it's really hard to judge. 
what really L- – this season's just hard to judge for LSU. I know they're not good now, but, like, let's wait till next year the year after. I saw some stuff where – and Orgeron's on, like, a little bit of a hot seat. Like, come on, get out of here, folks. What are you talking about? You won the championship. This life. is what happens when you win a championship. Ask Mac Brown. I interviewed Mac Brown after he left Texas. I mean, nine straight years, double-digit wins. They're always in the conversation. All of a sudden, a couple of down years, and they're like, we've totally forgotten about you. Totally forgotten everything it's you've cruel, done in the past. Cruel, cruel business, man. Uh, how about your Ducks on the road against Cal? Tonight. Especially if the Huskies, the Huskies are losing fourteen nothing to Stanford yeah. at they're home. Living on, they're living on the edge, same as Oregon did last weekend. Um, my diabolical sports fandom mm-hmm. uh, has led me to uh, if or- if Washington loses and Oregon wins mm-hmm. uh, today. Oregon will have a better Pac-12 North record. They'll be four and one the Pac-12 North. Right. Washington will be three and one. And we play each other next week. It's a hated rivalry. We hate each other, and we can um, not play that game for whatever reason and default win the Pac-12 North. Wow, is that? How, I mean, how does that match up compared to the Civil War? If oh, you're an we Oregon hate, guy, we hate. Well, we hate Washington way more than Oregon State. Like, I don't even feel that bad that we lost last weekend. I would, I would be upset for a week if we lost to Washington. All right, busy day, Jeff. Great stuff. Talk to you next week. Keep it right here. Yes, we are Fox Sports Radio. I'm Diosa, and I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio, season nine. Love, Love at, at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.